Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to immerse yourselves in the American Immersion Theater Podcast with your hosts, Scott Crampton and Anessa Johnson. Greetings, Immersioneers. I'm Scott the Maverick of Immersion Crampton, and this is my co-host. I'm Anessa Experiential Theater Fairy Godmother Johnson. Welcome to On Acting, the American Immersion Theater podcast. On this show, we teach you to be a better actor. But to be a better actor, you have to realize it's not just about acting. It's It's about about interacting. interacting. So sit back and relax as we teach you the American Immersion Theater method. And today, once again, uh, you don't have to just listen to Scott and Anessa. Yay! Yay! It's time for some special guests. They're like your hosts, only they're not terrible. Terrible like Scott and Vanessa. We have a special guest. Uh, our special guest is none other than Katie Rosen. Now, she is a theater publicist focusing on New York City, but she does some other ones. Fortunately for her, though, coincidentally, I assume there's a lot of theater in New York. Yeah, I've uh, heard that somewhere. <laughs> Katie founded a full service agency called Campfire PR with a K uh, in 2001. So she's been doing this for a minute, which is shocking because she's only 21 years old. Uh, Katie was instrumental in the launch of the Broadway musical uh, of the Broadway musical Brooklyn and the national tour of Motherlode. Katie has helped her clients garner many awards, uh, some being uh, a AIT award recipient, an IT award recipient, I should say, for Children of Eden, and a GLAAD award winner for She Likes Girls. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Uh, Any time in which I can butcher an opening like that, I'm thrilled. That was <laughs> that was one of the most butchered openings I've ever done. It's okay. A uh, for effort. <laughs> I have to stop drinking heavily before doing this. Um, so, Aren't you glad I asked about editing? Yes. Yes. Sadly, that part we probably won't edit out. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, as a theater publicist, just briefly, uh, because that is a job we have not interviewed yet, which mm-hmm. we were kind of excited about. Yeah. Uh, what do the theater publicists do? What are some of the major uh, kind of um, things? Why hire a theater publicist? Okay, so my job as a publicist is really to raise awareness of my clients' uh, projects to journalists. So it's often confused with marketing, and I'm constantly told by clients that their goal is to you know put butts in seats. And for me, I feel that's more of a marketing goal, which I also do. But um, what I like to explain to people, um, and I used to teach at NYU this marketing 101 class, and I talk a little bit about, you know, publicity is sort of business to business, where me as your publicist is talking to journalists, you know, another business, Mm -hmm. where marketing is sort of business to consumers. So my company is talking to potential ticket buyers, whether it be through social media or an email blast or posters or postcards and that kind of thing. So to go back, the theater publicist, I'm really trying to raise awareness to journalists and get journalists to write on your project, get listings, get uh, feature articles about interesting stories that have something to do with your project. Um, perhaps um, also get your show reviewed. 
Yeah, so and that's a big deal. In a nutshell. That's that's a huge deal. It, it's shockingly hard. You always assume, like, I think most people, when they put on a show or put together a show, they're like, I'll just send it out there and it's going to work. And, I mean, that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. It is very hard to get your show reviewed. It is very hard to get the right people at your show. I mean, certainly... Mm-hmm. You know, if you do a great show, somebody's probably going to show up, but that somebody probably has a following of 100 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you stay in contact? Like, is there tips, tricks? How do you do you consistently stay in contact with uh, these journalists? What do you do? Like, what's that other end of the job? Like, how do you get them there, I guess? Well, I mean, it's all, all about relationships, obviously. And so, you know, I take... Um, I take uh, pride in the relationships that I have in journalists. And so there are times that I, you know, I, I mean, to give, this is a podcast, so I'll give a little sort of excerpt, but like, I often think of my journalists as important or equally important as my clients. And so Mm -hmm. my relationships with them are really important. So you know, if I have a client, and this has happened in the past, it's a long time ago, but it has happened, and the client, I went to see the show, and the way I was pitching it, and the why I was pitching it, and all the little pieces of it um, really didn't sit right with me after I saw the show, and so I had something scheduled that I, like, called the journalist, and I was like, you know what, I think we're going to pass on that um, piece, I think that you know, for your sake um, and the client's sake, that it's not in the best interest to move forward with this piece. And I think that that way of protecting the journalist, yeah. um, and it's also it keeps that relationship, the- right? Like that keeps the relationship. Correct. Uh, it's also protecting the client too, even though at the time the client probably wouldn't understand that. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, a bad review is worse than probably worse than no good than no review. I would assume mm-hmm. um, it's tough, right? Like that's probably I, I guess that's probably kind of an in between thing. What do you think about that? Is it, they always say um, any There's publicity no such thing is bad, bad press? Yeah, and I I really feel like. At the very least, the Me Too movement proved that that's not true, mm-hmm. uh, or or the scan the college scandal right now has proved that's right. not true. Yeah, like uh, there's a lot. I, I think you can definitely get destroyed with bad press nowadays. Mm-hmm. But what about just a bad review? How how devastating is that in your opinion? Um, I think it totally depends. I mean, I you know I'm not. I, you know, I welcome, you made, you made me stutter, but I welcome all journalists to my shows. Yeah. Uh, all critics. I, you know, p- there are publicists who put some people on a blacklist or don't invite them. The yeah. way I think about it is I, oftentimes in a bad review, there is something that the creator can learn from and I think that people forget the old school way that critics were involved in the development of shows and I think that if you're not on Broadway and you're not looking to the critics you know for one particular purpose that there Uh, certainly 
for the smaller developmental works, I wouldn't take everything that any critic said to heart, but I also think that there, that there needs to be, well, I wish there was more open communication between critics and creators in terms of the way that critics used to be more involved in the developmental process of a piece and the way that they could help um, help like uh, help. do the experience, like help contribute to the experience, right? They can contribute to the experience and rather it being a quote unquote bad review, how how about not trying to kill a show or not trying to throw the show under the bus or that it's this playwright or this actor or whatever, but be more be more um, integrated in the process and offer um, creative solutions yeah. or, you know, they, critics used to be much more um, engaged in that kind of uh, dialogue in their reviews. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It used mm-hmm. to be a little bit tighter knit, I think, right? Yeah. Now, um, as a theater publicist, I understand that you've gotten to work with quite a few notable stars. I'm really, really curious to hear your Willem Dafoe story. Can you tell us about your experience working with him? Yes. Yeah, so I was not a publicist at that time. Okay. I was actually, um, I worked on the film American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I That's love that awesome. movie. Oh my God. <laughs> I love American Psycho so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's, I, I'm in the credits about three times. I hand modeled in the opening <laughs> act. I, um, I was, the production office coordinator at Miramax at Lionsgate who produced it. I was, um, and I was also, I think I, one of my credits is like in charge of the, um, I don't know, the New York shoot. I don't whatever it was. Anyway, I worked, that was a big project for me for about two years when I was at Lionsgate. And, um, I guess I had the, I was in charge of the rental car when we were doing rehearsals in New York and they asked me to drive William Dafoe home. And I had almost a panic attack because (laughs) he plays the villain in so many movies. Yeah. So scared of him. And I was like 20, I must've been 23 or 24 years old. I was young. And I was like, how am I going to sit in the car and have a conversation with this villain? Yeah, he's like a classic villain, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's like, he looks like a villain. He's like born to be a villain. He's definitely, uh, of course, if you, if the listeners don't remember him, uh, green goblin, the first Spider-Man movie, but I mean, he has been done. He's done well over a hundred movies. His, his credit list is insane. Mm-hmm. He's such a phenomenal actor, and he honestly was the nicest person. <laughs> I mean, it was not it was not a bad experience at all driving him home. Um, he was lovely and couldn't have been kinder, but I, the whole time, was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you put... I don't, I mean, it was like, what? It was the late 1990s. So I don't know what the most recent movie had been that he was in, but it's so funny how you do that to actors. Mm -hmm. You know, you really pigeon, like you put them into whatever their last role was and that is who they are. Yep. That's very true. That's very true. Like, um, uh, so I guess, uh, uh, when did American Psycho come out? 
I mean, I think it came out in 99 or 2000. Yeah, that was, right? that's one of my all-time favorite books. So, yeah, it came out in 2000. He mm-hmm. did Spider-Man in 2002. So he was a villain in Cruised uh, Speed 2. Uh, um, he was in Body of Evidence around that time. While the Heart, born on the 4th of July. Um to live and die in LA, Roadhouse. Yeah. Oh God, man, my God, he has been acting since 1980. He, his first movie was the year it was the year I was born. Uh, gee, golly, gosh. Yeah, he's an oh, impressive guy. I, of course, of course. During that same time, you were driving his car. He had just come out with Shadow of a Vampire, where he plays probably you know Nesferatu, but one of the creepiest uh, villains of all time. Like not, and I don't know if he's a villain, but he's definitely a creepy, creepy thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember that might have been what it was. As far as like working with clients and um, doing this kind of stuff, uh, as part of Campfire, what how does it set up? Like, uh, so I I'm doing a theater production and I reach out to you. How does it work? How does the relationship work? What what do you? What's kind of step one, step two, and what's the goal? That's such a great question. And I thank you (laughs) because so to be honest, the first thing I do is I, someone reaches out to me and I send them sort of like, this is what campfire does. And this is who I am. And, and here are some interviews that I've done on being a publicist and some interviews about working with a publicist that I recommend you read before you work with me. But what are those? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Wait, let me, I'll tell you them. And we can put them in the show notes too. Well, I can, I can send you guys even that email if you wanted to look at it. But, um, Give me a second and I'll, I will pull it up and I'll tell you some of it. But obviously this podcast will end up being added to my, you know, my, the email that I normally send out so that people could get to know me a little before they decide to work with me. Yeah. Um, and a publicist is not like working with somebody else, not like working with your billboard people or your – this is an actual relationship. Yeah, and definitely. She, and you're basically kind of in a sense ferrying them over to the people that are incredibly hard to uh, to access, which is journalists, which is reviewers, which is theater critics. Those people purposely make sure they're inaccessible to actors in particular. Mm-hmm. Um yes. They're totally unaccessible. Yeah, to actors. Um, they I, and and again, like what I had said previously, is like my job is to sort of be a protection piece. You know, like I, I always tell you know clients will say to me, and this is getting on a tangent from your question. We like tangents. <laughs> clients would say to me, "Well, I have a relationship with so and so at the New York Times." Let's say, and I'll say, "Like, okay, great." But let me be the conduit to them because it protects your relationship. Like, it's much easier for them to say no to me or yes, you know, like, what? I don't want you to put undue pressure on your relationship. And in fact, here's a great, this is a story I always tell at my first um, meetings is that I had a client whose son was a big wig at the New York Times, and I won't name any names, and you can do the research if you'd like. Sure. But she had him walk up to the theater desk and request that her show be reviewed. 
And I had eyes and ears at the at the Times, which of course I do, who reported back to me that after that son walked away, the theater editor said, I'm never reviewing her show and I will never review one of her shows. Like that was so inappropriate and not okay because it's crossing boundary lines. And so, uh, yeah, you know, and so, and I've had, um, I, and I don't think I've ever thought about that. Having mm-hmm. that you like to think about that concept of, you know, that they have these boundaries. Otherwise, you know, they hypothetically get stalked in a sense. Yeah. I mean, here in Grand Rapids, it's obviously a very different world than like in New York, but in Grand Rapids, we're a lot of theater groups will actually go out to local businesses and be like, Hey, we're with this theater group. Can we put up a poster in your business? And yeah. like here, that's totally acceptable. And people are like, "Yeah, that's awesome. You do theater. Tell me about it." But in the bigger and city, York, they're I probably see a little just... less uh, because I mean, people would just fake relationships then yeah. too uh, mm-hmm. to be. You're like, "Oh, you work at the New uh, New York Times." Well, my goodness! And mm-hmm. then they start, you know, inviting you to things that you know, and building a kind of a fake relationship. Mm-hmm. People do that a hundred percent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like you know, and the New York Times actually has a. Um, they're not allowed to like accept things from people. Interesting. It's part of their, um, you know, that's part of their like signed, uh, you know, part of their, uh, you know, contract with them. But like, for example, like if I go out for lunch with that same friend that I was talking about and I try to buy him lunch, he'll be like, I, you know, I'm not allowed to expect your uh, like buy. You're not allowed to buy me lunch. And I was like, well, just pretend it's like our friendship and you know not like you know i'm not taking you out as the times we're just, we're just going out for lunch like i'm not even so even out. as a publicist you can't really you're not hypothetically you can't just send them a gift or you know take them out to lunch and stuff like that because it's part of against their ethics or Believe me, it's not yes correct however it happens and you know what is swag for anyway they're yeah. getting like you should see the Tony swag that comes across their desks right now. Like, you know, they're they they all get five million things all the time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you know, it's not. So how do you sort through that? Like to build the relationship from like because obviously you're not getting them a car with your show's name on it or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Well, again, like I try to be authentic in my relationships. So I don't, I don't, I'm, you know, very early on because I had started in the Miramax um, PR department and had learned um, some bad skills, but some also really good skills. I did some really fun, swaggy things to my, to press. Like I had, um, a show on Bloody Mary. Uh, it was called Bloody Mary. It was, you know, Mary who cut off all her, Queen of Scots who cut off yeah. all her heads. Oh, absolutely, so yeah. I took headshots of everyone in the cast. We cut them out, me and my interns, and we floated them in Red Hots and sent them to the press. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, did fun things like that. And, you know, they didn't really work because at, this, at that level show, it doesn't, it doesn't really work work because you know because it's the determining factors are so many other things that make them choose whether they're going to write on show or not but there's literally so many shows that they just don't they don't have the time to write on all of them which is which is something that any of our viewers in i mean realistically probably like 
45 of the other states probably don't understand. Um, I can tell you if you put a show up in uh, even Atlanta, you know, the right, uh, the rate of you of them writing about is, is higher is significantly higher because there's probably two theater things uh, going up in a week tops, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I had a conversation with the editor, the theater editor at the times the other day. And he was like, if I can send a reviewer to this show, I will send one. And I can't respond to all my emails. Like, you just have to know that I'm getting it and then I've acknowledged it. Like, he was wow. sort of, you know, he was like, and I get it. I wrote him back. I was like, I completely understand. But there used to be, I, I don't, there used to be a woman at the theater desk at the New York Times who would answer her phone and she would also send me no's. And I always told her that no's were my second favorite answer because <laughs> I had an answer because yeah. it gives me the ability to go back to the client and say, listen, the times or timeout New York or whoever it was at the time said no. Mm-hmm. That ties in well to why a theater publicist would be so necessary, too, because as an actor, if you're reaching out to people and you're not getting a response, you're either going to be really discouraged by not hearing back or you're going to go full throttle into basically terrorizing them until yeah, they answer you. Yeah, I would you. go full. My, my instinct would be full <laughs> throttle. As an actor, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to keep asking until I hear like four no's. You yeah, know, like, which is definitely not what you want. Yeah, so. I'm like the credit card people at Express. I'm like, would you like an express card? Would you like an express card? How about an express card? I'm like, I just like these pants, please. And they're like, they'd go well on an express card. I'm like, gosh darn it. (laughs) Uh, Definitely the dance that you have to learn. Like I, um, like I said, I learned some bad skills at Miramax. And when I was launching Brooklyn in Denver, I would call and I, I adore John Moore, and I think that what John Moore has done since leaving the Denver Post and creating this his own news outlet out of the Denver Center, if you guys aren't familiar with it, he runs a really good um, theater, basically like theater performing arts um, website out of the Denver Center. So he has his own, it's his own like news source. And, but at the time, John was at the Post, and I called him almost every day to find out if I was going to get a feature on Brooklyn and if he was going to review Brooklyn because that's what I was taught at Miramax. I was taught at Miramax to like be harassing. Yeah, absolutely. For an answer to continue to nag until they said yes, to be persistent. Um, And you know, the dreaded HW like literally doesn't take no for an answer. So like, that's what I was taught. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, and John finally picked up the phone one day and he was like, Katie, you've got to stop calling me. Yes. I'm doing a feature. Yes. I'm doing a review, but if you keep calling me, it's not happening. And it, it was so helpful to me because I was like, Oh gosh, I have to change my ways. I have to realize that I'm no longer working for Harvey, that I don't need to harass people till they say yes, that I need to, you know, have that nice dance of respecting my journalists as much as I respect my clients and really creating, you know, relationships on both sides. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that was a that was a lesson I had to learn. But thanks, John Moore. No, that's 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 really good. That's some in depth kind of stuff there. I uh, definitely against the instincts I have as an actor. Am I right, Anessa? Yeah, definitely. I also have always been kind of taught persistence is key, and if you don't hear back, go and talk to them again. And yeah, yeah there are definitely industries where that's not really appropriate. So you, but you, Katie, if we hire you, uh, if our listeners hire you, you will tolerate and take the ghosting. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, and handle the ghosting, which is the hardest. The ghosting and the nose. What a challenging thing. And I do want to note, uh, just we're just going to put this out there, people you have worked with over your uh, long career in entertainment. Uh, if we didn't say this, it's kind of crazy not to. So <laughs> you have worked with Christian Bale, Liam Defoe, Peter Falk, Jared Leto, Josh Lucas, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, Anessa, help. Chloe Savigny? Yeah, I don't know I how you say Jerry last Seinfeld, name. Uh, Justin <laughs> Throne, Reese Witherspoon, just some of the people and some of the productions you've worked on yeah. to be able to build this career and then to be able to start your own PR firm uh, of Campfire PR. Yeah, lots uh, of real notable names there. Yeah. That's, that's basically, you know, um, in uh, American Psycho alone, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are. A phenomenal cast. And I did production on American Psycho, but, um, you know, at Miramax, I worked on like all sorts of things from Gangs of New York. So Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, you guys wanted tidbit stories. So I worked on Natalie Portman's first movie in the PR Beautiful Girls. And this is a great PR story. So I was doing the premiere of Beautiful Girls. Natalie Portman, obviously, remember, she was like the 12-year-old girl in that movie. And... I called her mom and I said, listen, oh, you know what? It probably, Beautiful Girls hadn't come out yet. We were doing the, a premiere. I don't even know. It was a different movie, but Beautiful Girls was on deck and they knew yes. it was going to be a hit. So they asked me to order a car for Natalie. She lived in Long Island to bring her into the city to go to this premiere as our guest. And I um, called her mom and I was like, listen, we're ordering you this car. She's like, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to send you a black, you know, like a limo to take you. into." And her mom was so like completely floored. She couldn't believe it. And, you know, now Natalie Portman is Star Wars and she's all these, you know, she's an incredible actress. And this was like her very first thing. She did Phantom Menace literally three years after Beautiful Girls came out. She's like one of those names that I think everybody knows. Yeah. Like even whether you like her or not, you at least know who she is. But how do you so, not like Natalie Portman? Yeah. She's so respectable. Yeah. So her her mother was like, and they were just thrilled just to have the limo concept happen. Correct. I mean, <laughs> mom and her mom was yeah the whole thing. She like couldn't exactly. She couldn't believe that we were you know taking care of her in this way. And I was like, oh no no like we're you know and then and. Then, you know, she became a huge star, but her, she, she was so um, modest and sweet. And then she has so many limos now. Yeah. <laughs> she has her own driver, we know. Right? Yeah, yeah. She has a, uh, literally, she has limo uh, shoes, where <laughs> two little limo shoes that have a, their own little miniature driver in them. Yep, they actually do. Uh, all right, Katie, we've done a great job being fairly serious, and we'd love to go into three minutes to win it. The game begins in three, two, 
All right, so, uh, Katie, three minutes to win is our rapid-fire guest question show where you have three minutes to answer as many questions as you can. Now, Anessa, what does she win? If you win, I have agreed to legally rename myself. Katie Rosen is number one. All yeah, right, but fantastic. I will also be timing it, so don't worry. It'll be super, super fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, Katie, are you ready for three minutes to win it? Sure. All right. Sounds good. All right. If you could have any superpower, which would you choose? Oh, gosh. Um, Remember, you, this is a time a game. That's a hard one. They're um, all to hard. Fly. To fly. Fly. Like okay, fly. Uh, would you settle for being able to see everybody nude? No. Terrifying, right? <laughs> Good answer. Um, I'm testing you. What's your favorite way to eat potatoes? Oh, uh, French fries. What is your favorite restaurant in New York? <gasps> Shake Shack. Shake Shack. Yes, <laughs> no, Danny no Myers. Hesitation. I shout love out it. To my, that's a shout out to my friend John Carangis, who's the uh, executive chef, vice president chef there of Innovations. Nice. Ooh, I love Shake Shack. Uh, I do. If you guys have not been to Shake Shack, Shake Shack. Also, Danny Meyer's book uh, is amazing as well. Two minutes left. Oh, shoot. Sorry. (laughs) Really, I need a tangent. Tangent. The, um, the, uh, I always recommend for my marketing students to read Danny Meyer's book about setting the table. Setting the table, yeah. Yes, it makes a lot of sense even for the theater world. If people come yes. in and have an amazing experience, but maybe they didn't have – the show didn't hit the mark, but they felt taken care of. They had comfortable seats. They have a program that was legible. They you know, they were greeted by someone. You know, There was snacks at the mid-intermission. Yeah. Hospitality. They're, they're, Hospitality. They're yes, full-service so, hospitality. In my NYU class, I, I assigned that book. Yes, I, if you guys have not read, if you're listening right now, uh, I if you are working in any kind of sp- experiential economy, anything that involves a person to another person in which you spend more than a few seconds with that person, Danny Meyer's Setting the Table book is one of the best books on that. His view of hospitality. Um, have have you been to any of the other Danny Meyer's restaurants? Yeah, my husband worked for him for 14 years. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. oh that's so, so yeah. crazy. So totally different, Meyers. too. What? Totally different. Totally different. Like, uh, did he work for him, like, in, like, as a waiter or, like, in corporate? Or... <laughs> well, it's no. reasonable. It's one of the few places as a waiter. I mean, they may, they yeah. split all the tips. They have full health care. They have a, I think it's salary. I don't know. It's, oh, uh, they wow. have a. Yeah, no, well, now they're not. They're, they, they, now that they have no tipping at the restaurants, they're, they're I think everyone's on salary. Is yeah. But um, no, my husband worked for um, the catering company and also the consulting firm. So he did like new business development. I mean, I used to tell people he put Shake Shacks in stadiums. Nice. So it was like an easy way to explain what he did, but he mm-hmm. does a lot, you know, he does new business development. And, he and, did new business development for them. All right. So let's start again. And I'm now going to ask you oh, a, a Danny Myers question. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, so have you met Danny Myers before then? What? Have you ever, have you or your husband ever met Danny Myers? 
Yes, and you know what? His wife was in one of my shows. She oh was, my gosh! She's an she's a very talented, amazing actress, and she was in one of my shows at the Story of Performing Arts Center. Now, she's fantastic. He made, I believe, it was. I could be wrong. You can correct me. Is it three hundred million dollars in a day from making Shake Shack public? Four hundred. Four hundred million dollars making Shake Shack public. And uh, do you remember where Shake Shack started? These are the uh, questions. Park. Yes, yes. One location in Washington Square Park. As a cart. As a cart. As a cart. And he made $400 million. That's what good service and hospitality can meet, can make people now. That's All right. Crazy. Two uh, minutes. Uh, one minute left. <laughs> one minute left. <laughs> uh, how do you like your eggs? Oh, seven minutes. What? Well, they're what, like super soft. <laughs> what is the best Halloween costume you've ever worn? Oh, when I was one of the others from um, whatever that show was called. The uh, oh, uh, Lost. Leftovers. No, Leftovers. No. Oh, neat. Okay. And all right. I, love that. I it in my town. Oh, neat. Okay. Hey, all right. If you were to Disney, if you were a Disney princess, which one would you be? Oh, Mer- Merida. Because Ooh. I have red curly hair. There you go. Oh, what is the meaning of life? Uh, to get through it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. If Merida and Hunger Ga- the star of the Hunger Games, were in a battle of bow and arrows, who would win? Yeah, definitely Hunger Games. Okay. <laughs> Cadmus for the win. Uh, yes, thank you. Five seconds. All right. Uh, what is better, cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. And Correct what answer, are, but you're still out of time. All right. Uh, thank you so much. And just so we know, what is your dog's name? Oh, my dog. I have two dogs. They're we, both rescues. I highly recommend rescues. Uh, my German Shepherd's name is Luna. Could you hear her barking? Because I can. We could, yes. That um, and that was fine, though. As we agreed, <laughs> we would be uh, interviewing Robin and Luna today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luna was responding in dog translation to everything you were saying, I recall. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's very good for our do- built-in dog audience, which yeah. is becoming bigger and bigger. Yeah, my boy Murdoch is going to be really happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> finally he can understand better. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to do a very brief uh, plug for what we do, and then we're going to uh, have you talk a little bit more about uh, how people can contact you. So if you are interested in uh, what we do uh, for American Immersion Theater, you're interested in possibly being a princess, being a superhero, uh, doing murder mystery dinners, doing a famous for a day, uh, Mm -hmm. and you live in a city in America, which is where we are. We're in basically most of the cities (laughs) in America. We actually just opened up Cleveland uh, and we opened up Sacramento. So Cleveland, Sacramento, the directors are here in building right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, that's a fallacy because they will have left because it won't air right when I'm saying it, but close enough. Um, You can always visit us at AIT.careers. That's AIT.careers. And you can check out um, when our auditions are and you as a person could audition and become an act, uh, an actor and build up from there. And eventually uh, you'll be running your own play and you'll be like, oh my God, I need a publicist. And we have one for you. Her name is Katie. Katie, uh, Katie Rosen, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, I have a website. It's campfirefilmspr.com. That's campfire with a K. 
films as in movies, PR.com. Love it. Um, or Katie, K-A-T-I-E, at campfirefilmspr.com. And then I'm also on all social at Campfire PR. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, awesome. We were definitely able to find you pretty fast. If people want to search Facebook or search Instagram and Campfire with a K, PR, comes up pretty fast. So I uh, should I'm be... doing my job. <laughs> I literally just found them while he was saying yes. that. Um, and Nessa's are, you have at least one more Instagram follower right now. So congratulations. <laughs> and that is it, everybody. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, thank you to our special guest, Katie. Yay. Yes, thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We do appreciate it. Uh, this is Scott from American Immersion Theater reminding you that theater is a story about others. American Immersion Theater is a story about you. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to hear more about American Immersion Theater Podcast, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. To be our friend and ask us questions on Facebook, just search American Immersion Theater. Finally, if you're looking to be a part of the AIT family, visit us at AIT.careers. That's AIT.careers. Thanks for listening, and remember, nail guns are dangerous. 